Welcome to Ready Cassette Go Disney Podcast number two. Number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Oh, I was just gonna reintroduce myself since this is only our second episode. I am Ben. I am a recent graduate of Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota. We actually, fun fact, spoiler alert: we all are. Uh, <laughs> yes, we're all recent grads of Concordia College, and yeah, I graduated with a degree in mass media communications and a minor in theater arts, and you know, now we've uh, decided to do just do this little fun podcast on our uh, on our off time every now and then, and yeah, I'm i my Twitter handle is the animated guy, which is also the name of my YouTube channel. So if you want to check that out, you can. And let's hear a bit from Brianna now. Okay, well, as uh, Ben said, I'm Brianna, or Brie, or Hey You, I respond to anything. Um, but like my dear friend Ben, I'm also a graduate of Concordia College. Um, I work for Realtruck.com, if you want to go order some truck parts, I mean, that'd be cool. Um, <laughs> anyways, I have a degree in communications and public relations and a minor in theater art. Um, and yeah, no, so this is this is Radio, or Ready Cassette Go, I almost said Radio Disney. Radio, Radio Disney. Disney. <laughs> um, but this is episode number two. So Kat, oh, Twitter handle, I'm, I'll probably say this at the end of the podcast too, but it's Bree Bergstrom if you want to go give us a follow, because that'd be cool. Okay, yeah. what, what? Your turn, Kat. Okay, my name is Kat, um, like the others have mentioned, also a graduate from Concordia. Um, my major was in communication studies and theater art, so we all had many class together. Yes, we did. Um, I am a seasonal cast member with Disney. Um, currently not working there at the moment, but who knows what may happen in the future. Um, also just a huge Disney lover as we all are, um, since a very young age, um, but I currently actually work at Concordia College in the Residence Life Department and mm. love it so much. Um, but yeah, very excited to be doing this lovely podcast with these two yeah. wonderful humans. So yeah. Yeah. Disney and just random side note, um, does anybody know, did the park reopen from Hurricane? It, it did. Yes, it has. Yeah. And my yeah, sister, okay. my sister who lives down in Orlando is indeed safe. So that's oh, good. As well as, a, as well as a high school friend of mine who also lives down there. They're all safe. Was she like terrified? Oh my gosh. Oh I yeah. They, uh, actually she, she and a friend just, uh, bunkered themselves into her apartment and drank wine the whole night. <laughs> Or are you serious? They yeah. didn't have to evacuate in Orlando. No, I mean it was bad. They they, they had hurt. a lot of they had a lot of winds, but I don't think they had much rain, and uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't as bad as it was on the coasts. Definitely. That's good. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I've seen pictures, and I was just like, "What's gonna happen?" To yeah, them? it was like, it was course, bad. I was concerned about people, but I was like, you know, what will happen if like something breaks at Disney? I mean, they've like anticipated like extreme weather so everything is very well reinforced but yeah i mean it's you still never know it sounds like orlando really needs someone to rescue them and speaking of rescuers those 
<laughs> Those are our movies for today. Yes. Both, both of them. Yes, The Rescuers and The Rescuers Down Under. The last time, our, back in our first episode a couple weeks ago, we did The Lion King, if you heard that, and we figured The Rescuers isn't nearly as big of a franchise as The Lion King was, so to help, mm-hmm. you know, generate better discussion, we decided to watch both films. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they were very interesting because I have not seen them. And, you, and fun fact, I actually never saw The Rescuers Down Under. It was my first time watching it ever. Wow. The sequel? Yeah, the sequel. That's so interesting because that was the only one we had. Oh, well, see, I was the exact opposite. <laughs> I, I only watched The Rescuers, so this was this was interesting going into it. Yeah, I, um, I didn't have as much experience. Like, I, I don't think I ever watched The Rescuers, the first one, when I was little. But we had The Rescuers Down Under, and that was a childhood you. favorite of mine. So good. My parents, why did we always have the creepy movie? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, well, so let's get started. So our first segment for those of you that are listening um, is history of the film. So I did a lot of Wikipedia searching because that's where I started, and then it led me down the rabbit hole of Wikipedia. <laughs> so. Here yeah. <laughs> so I know, I found out right away, and I did not know this before, that they are actually based on a set of books by Marjorie Sharp. Yep. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they they really seem to, they really seem to go through a huge trial and error process of figuring out which one, which books of hers they would use for yes. the film. Well, and I think that most of the time they're focused on Miss Bianca. I mean, the books, anyways, not necessarily the movies. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting watching the first film and how, you know, things are a lot different now than they are back then. But, like, back mm-hmm. then they had the thing where they had that line where she was like, well, we've never had a woman go on her own, so you'll have to choose one of right. our men. I of course. so mad. Of course like, they had that. And Get your feminism together. Well, and you know what else I noticed? You know, we're, we're digressing a bit from the history, but I just this just took me by surprise when I saw this, uh, watching this now. They in that whole scene where it first introduces like the the mice United Nations or I I forget the official name of it, but you know, you yeah. know what I'm talking about. It shows you know mice from all these different countries, you know, Pakistan and Saudi Arabia, and then there's a black mouse with an afro with the label Africa. Oh, I missed that one. Just Africa. No. Not not one no. of the many African countries, no. but one single mouse representing one of the largest continents on this planet. Oh, Disney. They would not get away with that today. No. I also noticed, too, when I was watching it, um, that the mice were very stereotyped. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot. And I don't... Well, and, I mean, you gotta remember. So, The Rescuers came out in 1977. So, yes, there was the feminist side of me that was, like, raging on the inside. But then, like, if you think about the time and the context of it, like, that's how people saw it. And, like, if you think back to the original Disney films, and I have nothing against Disney for this, but it's very, like, you need the hero to come save the day, and you don't really see the the Hironi being able to rescue herself. I think the first main one, I would say, is Brave. Well, what about Mulan? Well, Mulan, yeah. Okay, scratch that. Yeah. Mulan. Definitely Mulan. Like, I hate, I get so annoyed and everyone's like, Frozen is the first Disney film to feature powerful oh, no. female... No, it's not. Like, no, Pocahontas. it's not. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Pocahontas too, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so interesting that you're bringing this up because there was... Um, 
one like piece that I read online that was arguing that these movies had a stronger feminist approach to character portrayals mm-hmm. because there are so many strong female leads in the in both movies. Yeah, I mean, like, I well, guess you can see that. There is there aren't really any female leads in this in, in the second. Rescuers Down Under except no. for Miss Bianca. I, however, I was impressed because this was this was only the second time I've seen the Rescuers, the first one, mm-hmm. and Penny, the little girl, who by the way is adorable. Oh, she, right. She has a surprising amount of personality. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like one thing that I had to give Nancy. The the female characters in this are not underwritten, and sometimes, especially with the Disney Renaissance, which is what we're well, the Rescuers Done Under is part of the Disney Renaissance, but um they're not underwritten and I was really impressed with that like watching that as an adult I was just like oh like these female characters are actually fleshed out and they have a personality they don't have like this two-dimensional feel yeah I know because Penny I mean she was scared of uh, what's Madame Madame Medusa yeah but she uh she stood right up to that uh Mr. Mr. Snoops I, yeah that's his name yes. Mr. Snoops yeah mm-hmm. he uh It was also interesting seeing the villain dynamic with the the you know the powerful female mm-hmm. villain versus yes. you know the kind of the dopey sidekick there So yeah there are certainly things in the original Rescuers movie that are dated but yeah. there's also some surprisingly strong elements to it like it's a, I thought it was a pretty decent movie overall yeah, I did too. I did not realize how successful it was. I thought Neither did I. Rescuers was one of Disney's flops, and it's not. Because no one talks it was, about it anymore. Exactly. Right. Well, and it was actually the last film to receive an Oscar nomination until The Little Mermaid. And so it was like the end of the golden age, the very end. And Yeah, because The, the Rescuers Down Under is part of the Renaissance. Yeah. But it's what it's the worst performing movie of Disney's Renaissance age. Which is a shame, because it's still... like The production values in Rescuers Down Under are fantastic. Yeah. They're really good. I mean, even... Because I watched, I watched them in reverse order, because I wanted to make sure I got through The Rescuers Down Under. Um, and watching them in reverse, I was just like, oh, the animation quality is so different. Um, yes. But both well, of them still done very well. Well, the original, The Rescuers, what it has that very, like, sketchy, very loose, like, yes. feel to it. Yes. Because the animators were, like, refused to have any alterations to their drawings. Yeah. They wanted it to be completely transferred well, and it's when funny. they made the cells. Animators back then used so many cheats and shortcuts to make yeah. their job easier. Well, because they had so much to do. They had so much to do. It's, mm-hmm. It was crazy, yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Disney and a lot of their early films would... Uh, Recycle animation loops of characters and put them in other movies. Seriously, you Bambi saw that has a so camel. you Bambi. saw that so much in the rescuers. There were certain parts of it, like the trees when you're first looking mm-hmm. in the swamp, mm-hmm. looked like the ones out of Snow White, like the creepy mm-hmm. tree, like the creepy trees from the forest scene. And I was just like, these are. And then I remembered, oh, the mm-hmm. animators recycled. Okay. And did anyone else realize that at the beginning of The Rescuers, when Madame Medusa was driving through New York City, her car... It's Corella's it's car. Corella de, it's Corella DeVille's car. Yes. Exact, yeah. Actually, exact replica. I found out a fun fact that the she Corella was supposed to be the original antagonist. I heard that, too, and that um, mm-hmm. they, they were even considering it. they didn't want to do it. 
Right, they were considering doing a one hundred and one Dalmatian like sequel, maybe even, but yeah. they, but they uh, didn't want to do that, so they switched it out. For yes, the they scrapped that because when she was driving through New York City, I saw this like manic expression in her eyes while she was driving, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly like the climax of yeah. one hundred and one Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think I had read somewhere that even if they weren't going to use Cruella, they were. She was definitely an inspiration, and since they really shied away from that towards the end of the character development, mm-hmm. that was like the nod to it, that yeah, scene. Yeah, I think so. But her body language is mm-hmm. uh, um, oddly familiar to Cruella's. It like, is. The and way that they drew her and the way that they drew Medusa are very similar. And they, like, Penny even, like, imitates her at one point. Like, how she, oh, like, struts yeah. down. Yeah. It's yeah. Very, well, it's uh, so funny, too, because the character of Medusa was based off of, was it the animator's yeah, ex-wife? Yeah, one of the animator's ex-wife who didn't like very much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is Which crazy. was part of the reason that they didn't want any alterations in the design because they wanted it to be so true to what they yeah, originally created. I'm trying to, and I didn't write his name down. I wish I would have. But the animator that um, did, like, worked on Medusa, he was so... Um, like scared about how she was going to be drawn, he did almost all of the animation himself because he wanted it to end up a certain way. Wow. It was Milt Call. Yes. Yep. Because he also, yeah, this was his favorite character cr- to create, and the character actually inspired Mul- Ursula. Well, I think it was one of his last ones too, mm-hmm. right? Because he went into retirement, or he came out of retirement for the rescuers. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, huh. or uh, maybe was about to retire after the rest. I could be wrong there. Um, internet, please fix this. <laughs> um, a side note, if you're currently listening to the podcast and you want to chime in, um, tweet at uh, Disney Cassette, because we are on Twitter. Okay, anyways, back to what we were saying. <laughs> yeah. When the movie first came out, it made like $48 million in the box office. Yeah. And some it had co- the largest box office gain until American... Tale. Yes, and, and I, it even beat out Star Wars in some countries, which is insane. That's crazy to think, think about, about yeah. Well, now considering that Disney owns Star Wars, it's like, huh, now you're talking about one and the same thing. And then I think it's interesting with Rescuers Down Under, mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, for at least just as good a film as the first one, mm-hmm. but it well, didn't see, do I well. I disagree with that. What? Really? I disagree with really? that. Really? Oh, did you like the first one I better? I feel... I, okay, I loved Down Under. I did. The only... The biggest problem that I had was A... Um, What's-his-face? The bad guy. McLeach. Mm-hmm. Freakishly reminded me of Donald Trump. And I'm not just saying that because of the political climate, but seriously, <laughs> just that level of creepy. Oh my um, gosh, yeah. And then oh, it, it ended so abruptly. Like, the rescuers kind of closed off very nicely, and you found out what happened to Penny and and everything. And watching the rescuers down under, it's like they are flying away and it's done. Well, I almost wonder if they did that because they wanted the stories to keep going. Because they had talked about doing a third movie, but then Ava Gabor ended up passing away. Oh, and they yes. didn't do it. Which, kudos to them for wanting to keep the original cast together. Yes, yeah, yeah, so let's talk about the original cast, though. Because yeah. they, there oh are some... Gosh. The Great. guy who voices Bernard is the same guy who voices Buddy's dad in Elf. Bob and I did Elf. not realize that. Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart. Well, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, Bob Newhart was... That's how we know him. But back in the day, Bob Newhart was a huge, huge TV personality. Yeah. He had his yep. own TV show. Yeah. 
But well, yes. I don't think he did very many movies. Like, The Rescuers was one of the few that he did. Right. He did The Rescuers uh, franchise series, and he did, you know, he was Papa Elf and Elf, which, you know, it's, it isn't a huge part in the movie, but it's important in the beginning. No, but, yeah. But, yeah, he's, he's most renowned, you know, by older fans for uh, his Bob Newhart show back in the day. And maybe it's just because, like, I guess people that are younger than us, maybe they just don't recognize the voice actors anymore. And then Eva, oh. Eva Gabor, who is Bianca, uh, she's a classic film actress uh, yes. in such movies like Gigi and My Man mm-hmm. Godfrey, if you've seen yeah. either one of those. Yeah, I so. think she was a, what, are, they, are they called socialites? Like New York socialites? Question mark? I'm not sure. Internet, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> but I did not realize this because I was watching this again and I'm like, oh my gosh, her voice is so familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, I know why. She voiced the Duchess in Aristocats. She was also on Green Acres, which is, I feel like... Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, Green Acres, yeah, it was a big show mm-hmm. in the 70s. Very, very silly. I've never I watched it, yeah. but I remember my mom it's always would tell me about it when I was little yeah. and how over-the-top silly it was. It was a good one. Um, sure. And, yeah, so those were... Like, those were, like, the big stars of the first one, and they, they uh, reprised their roles in the second film, Down Under. Mm-hmm. But... Well, J- Joe Flynn, who was, um... Oh, the bird. What was his name? Orville or, or Wilbur. Yes. Orville was so in the first Orville one. in the first one, and he wasn't in the second one because he, he passed away. away so yeah. instead of, like, re-voicing the character... They, they they got a new uh, they changed the character completely to his brother mm-hmm. Wilbur named Which after the Wright I brothers. Appreciate a lot. Mm-hmm. And also then uh, with Wilbur they made him voice uh, they had John Candy voice him and John mm-hmm. Candy is one of my favorite actors of that time the really? late 80s early 90s. I thought I think he's so funny. He's in one of my favorite comedies ever, Planes, Trains and Automobiles with Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. And the guy he died so young. Like, yeah. he, he died in his 40s due to heart problems, mm-hmm. and he could have done so much more, but unfortunately, he passed away young, and uh, that, I think, again, that's one of the reasons why they didn't make a third Rescuer, is because John Candy passed away, which me- meant that they'd have to make yeah. another albatross. Also, yeah. I misspoke before. It was Jim Jordan who played... Um, Orville? Orville, yeah. Yes. And actually... Many famous folk from that time were considered for the role of Wilbur as well, hmm. including Dan Aykroyd, Jim Belushi, and Steve Martin. So Steve, oh, was, that would have been interesting. With yeah. Interesting. I, I was yeah. just mentioned Steve Martin in the uh, planes, trains, and automobiles uh, reference, but no, I I'm very happy with John Candy in that role, and I think that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I lean more towards the rescuers down under is because I think Wilbur is much more interesting than Orville because just because of how what perfect comedic timing John Candy has Hmm. yeah John Candy is good although I didn't notice this before but do you know that some of um, Orville's screams if you listen very carefully they're actually goofy Mm -hmm. yes I totally heard that major ahuhui at the end (laughs) yeah yeah well Minnie Mouse even the voice actress that played Minnie Mouse made a cameo as the nurse mouse in Rescuers Down oh interesting I I didn't know that Mm -hmm. So, for some reason, did Mark Hamill voice something in The Rescuers or The Rescuers Down Under? I don't, I don't think know. so. Mark Hamill's done a lot of voice acting, but I don't I never, him. 
random side note, I never realized how much, like, how much, like, voice acting he actually did. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, tons. Like, my mind kind of exploded, and then I was watching Flash the other day, and I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God, he's the creepy guy in the Flash. <laughs> and now, the world wants to know, what are they doing now? I'll tell you what Disney is doing now. Nothing. They are doing nothing. Really They're doing nothing with this franchise, which is interesting because this is, if you think about it, The Rescuers was Disney's first true franchise. It was the first yeah, sequel. Right, first sequel. First sequel mm-hmm. they ever did, and this was before they made animated t- television series out of their well, movies. And it was actually supposed to get its own TV series. Why? Because it was supposed to be The Rescuers, which now then turned into Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Oh, that makes oh sense. interesting. Um, because of, again, Ava Gabor's death. Um, and they just refused to put that well, character they, on her? Well, that, and they just didn't want to let the idea die, so they continued it with Chip and Dale. Yeah, so, and also yeah. the the second one didn't do that well in the box yeah. office. And I think that's just because it people just saw The Little Mermaid a, a year ago. Well, yeah. yeah, and it was up against some pretty big films when it released. Yes, mm. it was. Um, I think. Uh, like, Home Alone was one of them. I think I, I remember, yeah. I think I read yep. that too. But, yeah, it just flopped. And, you know, you see throughout the 90s and early 2000s, Disney released a lot of straight-to-home release uh, sequels, mm-hmm. and because it was because of the Rescuers Down Under that they didn't want to put any of these sequels, they didn't want to give any of them a theatrical release. Oh, really? That's what it was? Yes. So that's uh. kind of unfortunate because, again, yeah. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a pretty good movie, especially with the animation and the flight sequences. But, like, of the sequels that came out, I would definitely say, because I've seen more of them... I would say between The Rescuers and, like we mentioned in the last podcast, The Lion King 2, those two are probably the best animated out of them. Like, you look at um, Aladdin, The Return of Jafar, the animation oh, of that, it's like, so oh bad. my gosh, it's so, it's so bad, bad compared to the originals. And, mm-hmm. like, The Hunchback 2, terrible animation, terrible script. But yes, yeah. uh, The Rescuers Down Under and The Lion King 2 both had fantastic production values, and The Lion King 2 definitely deserved a theatrical release with, with how high quality it was. Speaking of, did The Lion King 1.5 do a theatrical No, release? it was home release. Lion oh, King 1.5 was home release. Disney! Yeah, <laughs> the, only, the only two other films to have theatrical releases that were a sequel were Fantasia 2000 and Winnie the Pooh. Actually, yeah. there was also... Is there another one, too? There was also Peter Pan 2 and The Jungle Book 2, I thought oh. Peter Pan didn't have a theatrical release. No, it was. I remember seeing it in the theaters as a kid. Um, oh, weird. They were, okay. but they were part of a side, like a. They were part of like a side studio of Disney's called Disney Toon Studios. Mm. And Disney Toon Studios made a lot of like, a lot of the sequels and also a lot of, some some movies based on, animated series of theirs. Yeah. Like, you know, I mentioned in the previous episode that cartoon series that aired in the 2000s on Toon Disney, Teacher's Pet, well, you know, about the little blue dog, they made a theatrical Teacher's Pet movie in or 2004 or so, and that they was... They did? They did, yeah, and that was Disney Toon Studios as well. Hmm. Weird. They're, they're ne- they never seem to be marketed as well, if, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Very well, oh, because I think I remember reading something on Wikipedia that was just like... Something happened with the rescuers, and one of the Disney execs like pulled all of the marketing material. 
Hmm. Oh, because it didn't do well in the box office. Down, the Rescuers Down Under didn't do well. Yeah. So they just decided to pull it from TV, which is too bad. Um, Catherine, uh, of all of all of us here, I think you would know the most about this. I, I've heard about a day. Make no promises. I, <laughs> in the Disney parks, I've heard mm-hmm. about a, there's like a day where they or certain days where they bring out more obscure characters that you don't Thank usually you. see. Mm-hmm. What? Um. Yeah. They have um like. They have a specific name, and I feel like, I don't know how often they happen, at least once a year, but it's, like, Forgotten Friends. Right, like, oh, look, it's Pain and Panic from Hercules. <laughs> or, like, Robin Hood will come out. Oh, that's um, really depressing. I love Robin Hood. And, um, I know, like, Thumper, and, Thumper. oh, man, who are other ones? They have a bunch of ones, and I think it really depends on the day, too, and, um... Sometimes you'll see Max Goof hanging out. Oh my gosh, too. Max, yeah, that's awesome. That's fun, I know. Or penguins from Mary Poppins. It, I mean, sometimes they just have random characters roaming, and it's fun that they come and visit the parks, and um, we'll take the time to visit with guests and such. But What I want to know is, have they ever made characters for Miss Bianca and Bernard? I don't know if they've ever came come to visit the parks. Um... They're probably very busy with the Rescue Aid Society. Yes. <laughs> um, so I have never seen them there. Um, if they would, I would, would think it would be Animal Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, it would be fun if they would come visit. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I've never seen them there. Random facts. Let's move on to the random facts. And yeah, mm-hmm. you were you're talking about the use of CGI in these yes. pre- pre-Toy Story films, you know, where mm-hmm. they were still just using them as to aid them with certain effects. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, using for the background. Can someone explain, because I've heard CGI a lot, sure. but can somebody explain the difference in techniques? Ben, take it away. Yes, uh, well... Because <laughs> you know this. It's interesting, because, you know, for the longest time they were just, it was completely hand-drawn, and then... I was actually reading that the Rescuers Down Under, I think, was the first animated film that... Bypassed the multiplayer. Well, yeah. After the animators hand-drew the all the frames, then they scanned them all into a computer and digitally colored all of them from there. So that was oh. the... that was that, Well, that's not CGI. I'm just saying that was the first uh, Disney movie, animated movie that did that. But then what CGI is, is basically what people used to refer to as computer animation, you know, 3D animation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's like Toy Story, like all Pixar movies, that's what CGI is. Or like, so um, it's like what Tangled is now, and like what Frozen is yeah. now. So, like, The Princess and the Frog was has one type of animation, and Tangled is CGI. What is the... Princess and the Frog animation Hand-drawn. It's hand-drawn, but then they, you know, they... What they did with the Princess and the Frog, I think, it was hand-drawn, but on, like, computer tablets. Okay. So (laughs) it has... So I I think it was all done digitally, even though it was hand-drawn. So it has that... It has that flat look, like, that two-dimensional look to it. Yeah. But, you know... You know, a lot of people, myself included, kind of prefer the two-dimensional hand-drawn look, because we don't see it that much anymore. Mm-hmm. As for CGI in The Rescuers Down Under, there are parts like McLeach, when he takes his giant tank out, or whatever, his like giant rover, or whatever it is, 
Yeah. The big long wheels of his vehicle are done using CGI. If you look at them carefully, you'll notice that they're more 3D-ish than everything else. Because it would look kind of clumsy of them. I mean, maybe maybe they could probably do it hand drawn, but it would be take a lot longer. So, using Is CGI. Joanna CGI. What? I, I feel like Joanna looked pretty CGI. No, Joanna wasn't CGI. All of the establishing shots and location shots are so when they're flying over Sydney for the first time. Oh yes. Oh my gosh, um, the Sydney Opera House yep. looked terrible in CG. Yeah, I have to does. say, like. You have to say it was. This was the first time they were really using it. Though. Well, they they they, like, they did how use huge it. This was. They did mm-hmm. use it in the Great Mouse Detective. I'm pretty sure in the scene where they're in the clock and there's all the gears turning. Hmm. But yes, the when the rescuers down under, most of the CG that they used was subtle enough that it looked fine. But the when I saw the opera house when they flew by that, it was this big structure that they created using CG, and. It just stuck out like a sore thumb to me, like, oh my gosh, that's definitely early CGI. Whereas that opening sequence, the establishing shot of the Australian Outback, was it's so impressive, especially with that like exciting score. It's like dun 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 and it's like quickly zooming in on everything. And I think it's so impressive, especially compared to the opening sequence of the original Rescuers movie. The originals is so depressing. Oh my god! I have to say that song is really good. The Who Will oh, Rescue beautiful. Me? It's a really pretty depressing. underrated song. It's very sad, but I find it funny. We were talking about ways that animators back then would like cheat and make things qu- quicker and make the process quicker. And if you look at the opening montage of the Rescuers. If they made it nowadays, it would like be a fully animated sequence where the bottle is floating through oh, the ocean. Yeah. And how it was back then, they just t- made like paintings of the bottle flowing through the ocean, and it was like a slideshow of paintings. Instead, I mean, they're of, very beautiful. They're very beautiful. They're very they're pieces of work for sure. Uh, but they, you know, they they clearly wanted to speed the process up a bit, so they just made slideshows of paintings instead of actually fully animating them. Yeah, the opening to the Down Under, you can definitely tell they've made advances. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And another thing, so another thing I like, I really like about the whole series is how much personality they give the reptiles. Oh, my gosh, yes. Did anybody notice in the the Rescuers, like the first one, um, that the crocodiles are named Brutus and Nero? Is that a reference like, to anything? Because I know Orville and Wilbur are the, the Wright brothers, but what about I the uh, alligator like, names? Are... I need to look this up. I want to say they were inspired we... by characters in the novel. Okay, somebody keep talking. I'm looking this up. <laughs> but yeah, um, so Brutus and Nero, that, those were the, uh, the alligator names in the first one. And then uh, I just like, I for, for some reason, in that scene where Bernard and Miss Bianca were hiding in the organ, the pipe organ... And they and like one of them was just like banging its its claws on the keyboard to try and get them out. I just thought that was so funny. For oh, some I died. So also, Brutus is the emperor who led the assassination of Caesar. Because I knew they were bad guys. I knew they were like Roman empires. Interesting. Oh, the Roman emperors, really cool. not empires. Emperors, Brianna. <laughs> I can't remember what. Nero is the one. Wikipedia is not helping. Um, oh, speaking of the opening with the opening song, um, this was one of the 
few movies that the songs are used as a narrative as opposed to being sung by the characters. Oh, in the in the original Rescuers. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. The original was actually supposed to be like they had offered the Carpenters to do all of the music. I can see um, that. But then they ended up not doing it. Because but yeah, I know, right? You, you can totally You can see totally it. hear that like 70s folk kind of sounds. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you think about the setting of the rescuers, I mean, it's cuz Devil's Bayou, I'm assuming that's It's Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. So it's I mean, it's down in that area. So the music fit. It's not as like um uppy and like jazz swing that you hear in in The Princess and the Frog, but it's it's more of that like bluegrass. Kind one thing of I yeah, yeah, one thing I find funny is that they there's a scene where it's right after the pipe organ scene that I just mentioned where she hits one of the alligators on the nose and it spits out Bernard and then she starts freaking out that there's a mouse in their house and I'm like yeah. you live in a bayou there's bugs crawling all over the place and you're afraid of mice. <laughs> Seriously, can we talk about two how in the world is that boat Still standing. Yeah, that makes no sense. It was so <laughs> rickety, and I was like, "Okay, Disney." And why does um, he have all those fireworks? That's never explained. I don't. I don't I know. think it was. That's what I'm thinking. And up in the ring right now, we have then versus now. I repeat, then versus now. For all three of us, it seems that we've either watched one or the other in our childhood, but but there was one that we just only recently Did saw it? for the first time. Yeah. I had seen both. Um, for this particular viewing, I was only able to watch Down Under, but I have seen um, the first one before. It just has been a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so. this one, this one I've only seen The Rescuers. This is the first time I watched The Rescuers okay. Down Under. But, oh, my gosh. Okay, so Disney, I think, put in a lot more, like, adult jokes in some of its earlier films because, like, I don't know if you guys noticed this, because I never noticed this as a kid, but when Medusa is on the swamp mobile and she sucks up Orville, he shoots out the back end and yells, Holy smokes! I gotcha. Ah, the puns. So or, um, I, I, I can't speak for when I was little, but I find it funny how much more prominent alcohol is in early Disney films. And like, smoking. And yeah. smoking. Like, you see it, you see alcohol and, like, well... Alcohol, at least. Like, you see alcohol in some Disney movies here and there. Like, there's, I think you can see, like, people drinking wine in the party scene of Princess and the Frog. But it's not as prominent. It was much less conspicuous in the early films. Like, there was that, there was that swamp mouse. Yeah, it was like moonshine. Yeah, it was moonshine. And he was like, here, take a swig of this and you'll feel all better. Like, yeah, yeah, Disney would not have have that in a movie today. they would not get away with that It's like encouraging, encouraging drinking in a way for the little ones. But it's like, if it's not blatant, then. Right, it's not blatant. pretty blatant in The Rescuers. It's in a jog. Yeah, I didn't watch that. Yeah, but then. But then I find it funny that at the end, when they're trying to start up Madame Medusa's vehicle... Uh, they dump it in and it They starts. dump in the liquid and it starts up, which either suggests that it's so strong that it's able to start up a vehicle, or he was drinking liquid petrol. <laughs> which, I mean, could be both. Um, I did think it was interesting. Okay, so in the rescuers, you know, they sing the... R-E-S-C-U, blah, you know, and they say E, like rescue. Well, when I was a kid, I thought they were saying R-E-S-E-U-P, 
I don't know why I thought a P was in there, but it took me the longest time to figure it out that they were spelling rescue, and <laughs> I just, I thought there was a P in that song for the longest time. It's funny, uh, when I was little, we had this Disney lullabies tape, you, like, really, that my mom would play for us when we were li- really little to help us get to sleep, and Who Will Rescue Me, or The Journey, I think it's its official name, was mm-hmm. one of the songs on that tape. Mm. And it showed the montage of paintings, you know, as the bottle mm-hmm. was traveling through the sea. So even though I didn't watch The Rescuers as a child, I remember that sequence because it was on the Disney Lullabies tape. And mm. when one of my sisters and, and I, we'd always watch that, and there was this painting where it shows the bottle right in front of a giant ship. And there, mm-hmm. were, these, there were these two waves that, mm-hmm. like, crest just above the, the main ocean line. And it mm-hmm. and then it creates these like dark circles below them. And <laughs> my sister and I always pointed to those dark circles and went, Raisins! Look, there's raisins! <laughs> and like, I don't know. And I don't know what our little kid minds were thinking, but our parents were always like, Okay, yeah, that's right, you keep thinking that. <laughs> yeah, no, like go for that. But I hated this as a kid and I still hate it now. I hate that black hole scene. I hate when they're down there, it freaks me out every time. And also, random side note that I just noticed as an adult, how did the diamond that big end up in the skull? Like, did he eat it? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. But, you know, for the sake of adventure, I guess they made it that way. To raise the stakes. Don't ask questions <laughs> in an animated film, I guess. Apparently not, but I was just like... Seriously, how did that get in the skull? Like, he must have, like, fallen on top of it. Okay, gross. I don't want to go there. Well, it's so sad, too, because they, they, I mean, both the villains, the villains in both films treat the kids that they kidnapped really poorly, but with Madame Medusa, it's so sad because she's like, will you take me back to the orphanage? And she's like, why would anyone want to adopt a homely child like you? Oh, that part just, I was like, oh, that's like a twist in, oh, oh yeah. Oh, and she that... was so sad that, you know, she was just like holding her teddy and crying and they had that little that little song playing over it that, that she was oh, losing yes, hope. That made me oh, cry. it's so sad. It's so sad. She's such a such a sweet little sweet little character. Um, also, Ben, I know you mentioned this before, but the pipe organ is still hilarious. Oh my gosh, I know. I love, as I was saying before, I love the personality of all the lizards in both films. Like, Joanna, too. That scene, that scene where, uh, McLeach gets hungry for eggs, and then he's, like, pondering what he's going to do with, uh, with Cody while Joanna is stealing all the eggs. I have always thought that scene was so funny. The Rescuers Down Under was apparently one of my favorites as a child according to my mother really um, which i didn't realize i watched it as much as i did but it was really fun to rewatch it now and be remembered of so many little moments it was very nostalgic i also adored the music for it which oh, i yes. the moment they started flying i'm like this sounds so familiar and i cannot figure out why so i looked it up and bruce um Bowton, or however you say his last name, probably just butchered that. Um, he actually wrote the score to Soren, the ride at Disney. Oh my god! And the second I read that, I was yeah, yep, that's definitely it. He also did the It's Tough to Be a Bug and the Ellen's Energy Adventure. Oh my goodness! So was a big 
big score writer in the parks, um, which I thought was pretty fun. Yes, I no, really adore those, and I, I love the the flying scenes in the second one. Are yes, so that's like that's like pre pre how to train your dragon. That's like how to train your right? ego right there. Oh my gosh, I have that same thought. Well, and fun fact for you, Ben, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the flying scenes were actually inspired by the elaborate aerial scenes of Miyazaki films. Oh my gosh, yes. Right? I can totally Can't see totally that. See like, uh, so cool. I don't know I don't know if you, either of you have ever seen My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, it's, uh, no. it's a Studio Ghibli classic. And, uh, like, if you've, if you've ever seen any Studio Ghibli film, they show, the t- like, all the, to- the three little Totoros. Well, there's a big one, a l- yeah. medium one, and a little one. It shows yeah. them as, like, next to the company name. So they're, they're like, so iconic. They're the logo for the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, a couple great scenes where, uh, well, one scene in particular, where they jump on the big Totoro's belly, and they just go flying through the night sky, and there's this great orchestral track. And then there's another scene where there's this big cat bus and she's riding in the cat bus and the cat bus is helping to helping her find her younger, younger sister. And again, great, uh, great aerial shots and great lively score. So when you have a scene like that, where a character is flying, you have to take it seriously. You have, it has to be well animated and then have a great score and the rescuers down under just, uh, they nail that. They, mm-hmm. yeah. I did. I, I even wrote this in my notes. Um, the first time that Joanna appeared, she like pops into the hole. It scared me so bad. <laughs> um, but I literally scribbled across my notes that Joanna definitely makes the scene. I I want Joanna, and then I also want the Nelson, the little platypus that you saw right away. Oh my gosh! Yes, plat- platypus. Oh, I'm pl- Frank. I like Frank. Oh my gosh, yes, Frank. Another another lizard with lots of personality. He just babbles. He, oh my gosh. I the sec, Watching it this last time, he kind of reminded me of Jar Jar Binks. Okay. Uh, uh, from Star that ruins I mean, it a little bit for me now. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It was just a very brief moment, but... I feel like he was he's a more lovable character than yes, than be- what people generally think of Jar Jar Binks. Well, because Jar Jar so. Binks uh, always screws things up and is secretly evil question mark whereas oh. Frank uh, Frank okay. does help. You know, he he doesn't he doesn't he think does. he's helping. He tries. He tries. He tries. He's a tryhard, that's right. He, <laughs> <laughs> it's the intention and he has good intentions mm-hmm. and he does help. So, yeah. Also, what happened to, like, all the animals that were locked in the thing? You never really find out, and it Hmm. made me really sad because I wanted to know what happened to Frank. Hmm. Again, I guess we just don't ask questions. (laughs) I did think it was very interesting, the such... Such strong characters in both films, but I thought it was interesting how the McLeach character inspired so many villains throughout um he kind of reminded me do you guys remember um thumbelina he kind of reminded me of the evil pollution ghost i haven't seen thumbelina in years fern gully wasn't there wasn't there a similar villain in fern gully that's That's fern gully yes i remember fern gully a little better although it's been a while since i've seen that as well i mean i know they're not disney but 
like the his mannerisms and his traits, like you can definitely see how he inspired other Disney characters as well, they went along. Fern Gully wasn't Disney. Either. Well, no, no yeah, Fern Gully uh, and uh, and Thumbelina were not Disney. Uh, no. It's very clear that that uh, those movies, especially Thumbelina, are not Disney oh, films. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, he did, however, inspire Gaston. Oh, oh yeah. Governor, yep, Governor Radcliffe in Pocahontas. Clayton in Tarzan, and Commander Rourke in Atlantis. The yes, one. Commander Rourke. I can definitely see a comparison between oh, those now two. now that you very, said that, I can totally much, see it. Very much. I but. can totally see it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people wouldn't realize how influential the villain from this film is, because I know a lot of people who haven't seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you say Gaston, and people know immediately who Oh, yeah, exactly. But, uh, Everyone knows Gaston, because Beauty and the Beast so. is uh, such a classic. <laughs> so, the rescuers came out, and do you ever notice that Medusa's makeup is kind of like Ursula's? She inspired Ursula. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I just made that connection to yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's actually really cool because I never would have thought that. <laughs> like, but now that you say that, my mind, is, I'm sorry, I'm kind of in the middle of a brain, of like a brain explosion, and I'm <laughs> just vocalizing it. My bad. It's okay, Rihanna. We all do it. Yeah. Overall, I enjoyed. I, I enjoyed both films, and I think that yeah. there are two film Disney films that uh, more more Disney fans should see. So I think we should rate the rescuers, and I think that we should rate the rescuers down under. Sure. Are we rating it on a scale of like one to ten, or are we rating it like if you could rate it, what food would it be? <laughs> yeah, let's go like one. <laughs> I don't like, know. It'd be like let's let's rate it like one to five. Okay. Um, Joanna's or something. You know, something like random like mm-hmm. that. Like you could pick an object. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, personally, I would give. You know, for at. At first, I thought that I was strong in my opinion that the second one is the better of the two, but now thinking about it more and watching the first one again, I think both have an equal amount of things going for them and going against them. So I would, but they're both solid movies at the same time. So I would give both films a solid four eagle eggs out of five. You totally took my ratings. <laughs> <laughs> and you totally took my rating, too. Though I can't speak for the first one, but... Um, okay. Since I didn't watch it recently, but I would definitely... Well, um... Definitely for, that. So. For the first one, I would give it... Um, four out of five Devil's Eye Diamonds. Hey, there you go. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the second one, I would give it... Three and a half injections of whatever they shot into Wilbur. Creative. That is creative yes. right there. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, poor Wilbur. Poor, poor Wilbur. Oh, man. Well, that was quite the scene. But since I'm only rating the second one, I will give it four eagle feathers Ooh. out of five. Very good. Very nice. Okay. All right, well, guys, I think that is going to be the end of our podcast. Um, if you want to connect with us, you can follow um, me, Bree, on Twitter at Bree Bergstrom or Ben at The Animated Guy. Also, yes, if you want some The fun Animated Guy is my Twitter handle, and it's also my YouTube channel where I make lots of fun videos and parodies on animated films and, and shows. So check that out if you want. And yes. uh, Catherine? 
Not on Twitter. <laughs> That's, uh, get <laughs> on that, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you do want to interact with the show, um, please go follow at Disney Cassette. And we are on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you would be very kind, I know we were asking to do a lot, so I apologize. Um, but if you want to leave us a review or a comment or a question or whatever on iTunes, we would much appreciate that because that would be cool. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. We'll let you know on our Twitter when we have our next episode. Yeah, yes. we don't know when that's going to be. We're, we're figuring it out here. But So until um, next time. Yes. Bye.